Danny Foster. Let's talk yeah, about sorry. start about let's start with your origin story. Yeah. Like, did you have a childhood nickname? Um, so I was DJ my whole time growing up. My mom called me fatty until I was like, probably like 13. And then I got to middle school and I was like, this needs to stop. Like you can't, you can't keep yeah, doing this. But yeah, DJ was, and there's like, my family still calls me that. But like, so in the real world, it's Daniel. And then <laughs> in like my private life, it's DJ. Right. But what do you want to be when you grow up? Well, when I was like four, I told my grandfather that I wanted to be like 50 cent <laughs> when I grew up. Um, but I wanted to be an architect for a while mm-hmm. when I was like from like eight to like 11. And then like I got SketchUp and was like designing buildings in SketchUp. Yeah. <laughs> and SketchUp. Like, and then I wanted to be an English teacher for a second because I've always had really great English teachers like forever. Mm-hmm. But then I turned like 16 and I was like, all right, I'm going to be a rapper. No plan B. Here we go. You wanted to be a teacher. Yeah. So I'm, I'm. So in sixth grade, I had Evan Castler as my English teacher. He it was at Basis Tucson Central. Shout out Basis. Yeah, shout out Basis. <laughs> um, and he he was like that's so why that was when I started writing raps. And he, I would be like showing them to him, and he was like encouraging me and like helping me build them. And then I had him again because I and I ended up doing sixth grade twice. So then I had him another year. So we got even closer for that. And then he went up to Flagstaff to be the dean of students at the school up there. So I was in Flag like. We, I knew we would email and DM, but I was in Flag like two months ago, and I was like, you want to go get breakfast? And me and him just talked for like five hours and like cried, and it was super tight. And then I, I've had, I just, I've always, I had one English teacher that sucked. Oh, wow. But other than that, like they've always just been like super cool. Yeah. So it was like, you know, like I wanted, I want to do that. I think Ox was an English teacher, wasn't it? I think so. Yeah, so I mean, it kind of rapping and English teaching kind of go hand in hand, especially in like high school English. Like they that one was so random. Like I wanted to go to University of Michigan to like be an architect. That was like my dream. <laughs> I made up that Michigan had a good architecture program. I'm sure it's not bad, but I made up in my head that it was the best one in the country. And I like told my mom, and I was like, we have to go there. <laughs> so what was like your parents and your life at home like? My mom and my dad split when I was like, well, they were never fully together. They tried to like work it out, and then when I was like three, that kind of split off. They have past and their demons and all of that stuff. Um, so I was I was a weekend with my dad, week with my mom, and I just like grew up. And you know, as you get older, you like look back at things that happened when you were a kid, and you're like, damn, that was kind of fucked up, and I didn't even. Right. I didn't even like realize that that was kind of shitty. Um, I didn't even know I was <laughs> exactly like yeah. Well, my mom was great about it. Like our living room was always really nice. <laughs> like you walk in the house, it would look like we were straight, and you go. But I mean, my mom always figured it out. Like she was always hustling. I get a lot of my like hustler yeah. mentality from both of my parents, truth be told. But in my home life, I mean, it was. It was interesting because my dad was on the north side and a little bit better off. And then I'd go to the east side with my mom and be on food stamps. Mm. So I was bouncing back and forth from, like, these two very different lifestyles all the time. And then my mom raised me on, like, Godsmack and Alice in Chains. And then my dad was like, John Mayer and Eminem, John Mayer and Eminem. (laughs) Constantly. And, like, Nate Dogg all the time. (laughs) Yeah. JJ Fresh, man. JJ Fresh. Did a battle on KXCI or whatever it was in the 80s. He did a battle on the radio. I I wish I could find it. That would be so tight. (laughs) I'm sure it has to be somewhere, dude. Were were you able to, as a young person, listen to rap, to rock, to... I think I I switched, but it was part of because my life was totally transitioning on Friday nights and Saturday nights yeah. or on Sunday nights when I would switch so it was like during the week 
But then, well, honestly, my mom had me on rock until I was like nine, and then I was like, we're only listening to G Unit from here on out. <laughs> but um, no, music has always played a really important role in my life. My dad has his, he always tells people that when I was like two, like I figured out like a piano rhythm and I was just playing it on loop. And he, I don't, like that sounds cool. I don't really know. But like my dad's players, it was super cool. He taught me how to beatbox when I was like five. Wow. That scene from Men in Black, the, mm, I could yeah. do that when I was like five years old. <laughs> yeah. So do you remember how that made you feel? confident as a bitch yeah <laughs> confident yeah. and yeah. i think it, i think that's what carried over because that was the whole reason i started rapping was because mm. i needed truth be told i i loved rap and i only listened to rap but i was in like sixth grade and i was like dude girls like rappers let me <laughs> and i just started writing raps for girls i think i had like 12 girlfriends <laughs> just like i was just like give them verses and they would be my girlfriend and, and then it turned into more than i ever thought it would have turned into that's so great. yeah what do you think it is? Um, I mean, I've, all of the most incredible connections I have with any people are here, within rap and with uh, like outside of it. Even like my best friends are all here. I have really close friends in Tennessee, but like my guys, like the hey, I'm hiding a body, I need help, guys. They're all out here, and then my little sisters out here. But and just and then the, the camaraderie that that whole time when it was like me and Jay and Easy and Tommy and Marley and Cash. That whole, the bond that we have over that, because we were always seeing each other at every show, doing everything, it, it's, maybe it's like wanting to relive the glory days a little bit, but it's also just like nice to like see those dudes, because we all have such like a unique bond for, because yeah. there was nights where we'd all be playing, like we both, we all of us would be playing three shows a night, and we would have to like bounce to the next show, dude. Marley B snuck me into Flycatcher, like we just have like a, you know what I mean? What does put your city on the map mean? So, I mean, I think it's, so I talk about Jack Harlow a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, that is, that is putting your city on the map. Okay. What he's doing for Louisville right now, right. constantly repping it, constantly talking. It's in every song. It's in all of these things. I think if, cause there's been people that have done serious numbers outside of Tucson. Oh, sure. So, but there's not a lot of that. There's not a lot of, I'm from Tucson, I'm from Tucson, I'm from yeah. Tucson. Askey is the best example because he's always rapping. Yeah, and that's why there's, there hasn't been a rapper that the city has embraced like that right. ever. Right. Ever. And so he is putting the city on the map as we speak. Yeah, definitely. As, right. So, I mean, that is, that, that he, he very well could be the jack of Tucson. Like, I have definitely. no doubt in my mind. If you're a person making music, Who's one or two or three people that you should know that person? You should maybe reach out to them. In, in Tucson? Yeah, sure. Anywhere. Pike. Pike Romero. For you. Sure. <laughs> you, instantly. In me. I love helping rappers. It's my favorite. I did it last night. I love it. Tommy. The Tommy stamp of approval goes a long way. I got it. Did a lot of cool shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Jocelyn. And, and it just, it's, you just go to, it's Tucson. Nobody's going to be mean to you at a rap show. Go to a rap show. Talk to everybody. That's how I met Pike. Yeah. I was just, there was like this dude in the corner and I was like, hey, bro. <laughs> you know what I mean? So anybody involved. What's your favorite local brand? South Sticks. Which is, is there one in Nashville? Do they have? Like, it's not street. That it's street not right? yet. They have no. Cashville, um, okay. but Cashville is very similar to like Rep Talk. Like it's been a long around for a long time and whatever. Yeah. But they haven't had like a newer one in a while. What about food? Local food favorite. Here, Juanito's on Grant. 
best Mexican food in Tucson. I literally, like, I get here and I go straight from the airport to there. Nice. Gas. Or in Nashville, Hattie V's hot chicken. Nice. Stellar. Stellar. Nashville's scary right now. We got blown up, dude. Uh, how's COVID affected you personally? It caused an entire rebrand. I stopped being withdrawal anymore. Wow. Because um, I just had a lot of time to think about it. Yeah. And it's been really, I mean, as awful as it has been, in terms of, like, my career progression, it's been huge. I don't think I would have, you know, it, I was just in the house making music, and I had to think more. There's no more shows, so I had to think way more on, like, a marketing and whatever level. So it helped. It, it was like a kick in the ass that I wow. needed. It was like... Because I didn't have to focus on, I, could, I couldn't go anywhere. Right. There was no networking to be done outside of on the internet. So that, I just got to focus all of my attention on the internet. But then I also was like, well, I don't want to be Woodrow anymore. And then I thought about yeah. it all of quarantine. I literally thought about it for like from March to like September. Damn. And I was just That's like, crazy. all right, I, I'll, I'll do it. What is the future of performing going to be? It'll come back. Yeah. Uh, like, I think a lot of things, a lot of our way of life is going to be affected by this, but with how much everybody misses shows, it'll be back to normal. Yeah, there's, I mean, cause there's going to be a time where this isn't going to be a thing and yeah. we could go, there could be 200 people crammed into solar culture. That's coming back. It's not going, it's not going anywhere. Right? Like, like nobody, nobody's going to give that up. Even yeah. people that say they don't like concerts, they just don't like the artists they've seen. Uh, what are you reading right now? I know you're being Yeah. Here. Um, I've read the Rust book a couple times. Um, I just finished reading The Giver for like the 11th time. <laughs> um, I'm trying to, I'm looking into like more ph- philosophical books mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Like I haven't read The Alchemist like I should. I started it, I didn't finish it. So I gotta, I'm gonna go get a copy of that while I'm here because I've just been like chilling at the house. So, yeah. but the Rust book was really good. I got a lot of insight from that. Um, I've, re- I've been reading a lot of like George Orwell short stories. Like he has this one about like, a class on Venus and it's like you know how Venus it rains acid all year round there's like a day where it doesn't rain so all the kids get to go outside and play and the kids like bully this girl and like lock her in a closet and she can't come out and play while everybody else is but then I I haven't it's like multiple parts there's like two short stories so I haven't finished the second one but I'm pretty sure it like starts raining acid on all the kids and she's like the only safe one (laughs) right um We talked one year ago. Yeah, like exactly a year ago. Oh, exactly a year ago. <laughs> Shout out to us one year ago. We came, came a long way. How have you expanded this year? Um, so as part of the things that stemmed with COVID was this Nashville, their scene is much different than ours in terms of the connectivity of it because there's Antioch, there's Gallatin, there's all these different suburbs. Like Antioch has their thing going on. All you know what I mean? Like Jelly Rolls from Antioch. So he's kind of doing that over there. And so and they, there's not a beef, but they just don't really. They barely ever play shows together. Like so, I've been networking with a lot of like the higher ups in those, and we get on Clubhouse and we and we sit in there and we just and we talk about like what we could do to unify everything, and then. Once we kind of figure out what we're going to do, I want to start like Nashville clubhouse rap group from the whole city and kind of start building a sense of community there. Because I think in a city like that, if rap really started popping, like, you know what I mean? Everybody moves from Nashville to Atlanta and then has to go back to Nashville once they're on for meetings. It's like, what if you could just stay there? Yeah. So I'm trying to, and, and this totally selfish perspective is if I become the face of that movement, it's game over. (laughs) How do you feel that you evolved? I make beats. I make beats now. 
Well, I mean, you both <laughs> made it. Well, but I wasn't, I mean, I, it was with somebody holding my hand, and I didn't know how to mix them right and all that right. stuff. This was the first time where I just locked myself in my room and... You feel like you make it. Yeah, I feel, yeah, I feel like I can, yeah, I'm, I'm figuring That's it out. I, it helped me figure, and it helped with the whole, I just know better, more about logic now. Wow. Like that whole thing. Cause you still work completely on logic? Completely on logic. I used to make my beats in FL and then stem them out and bring them over to logic, but that was too much work. So yeah. I was like, I'll just figure out how to do it. And uh, musical typing is really tight because it just yeah. turns your keyboard into a MIDI. So you just, yeah. My girlfriend likes to watch me like do the hi hats really fast and I'm like, <laughs> cause I don't like to quantize them because I think it makes them sound like a robot. So I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, it's great. Down. Down. All right. If I do quantize them, I just put like a swing on it and then yeah. every other one is like a little off. I just figured that out like two weeks ago. <laughs> so I'm still learning very much though, but I think right. especially with things like splice, like oh. making beasts has gotten so much easier than it used to be. Um, what are some goals you got for 2021? I want to, by the end of the year, be able to go to like any major market and do like 200 or 300 kids. That's kind of where, and to a certain extent, is that a unrealistic goal? Yeah, but that's the whole point of goals. So I set an unrealistic goal and then I set all of the goals that I have to hit to get there. And so if I hit all of those, which aren't unrealistic all of a sudden, so that's really all it is right now. You're not doing anything wrong. It's all in your head. Mm -hmm. Take it with a grain of salt. Do what you want to do. Turn it into do whatever you want. Uh, Chill and I stunt. What advice would you give now? Overthinking is a pain in the ass. And I know a lot of really talented rappers that overthink everything they do. And then then they're not putting out content. And then they're not. And then, so, if like, I overthink everything I do, but... If I know the record's good, I'll know it's good even if I'm overthinking it. Absolutely. Even if I don't think it's, if I overthought it to not think it's as great as it was when I made it, it's still a good record. Drop it. Throw enough cupcakes at the wall, one of them's going to stick. Do whatever. I threw it at the wall, it's stuck. You know what I mean? (laughs) In our first interview, you were on Twitter heavy. Yep. You said you were springing springing on a little IG. Yeah. How about now? I'm definitely, well, Twitter's like a horrible place. (laughs) Twitter is the worst. So are my Instagram DMs. Horrible place. So I kind of, I'm at the point now where I'm just on the apps when I need to be. Mm -hmm. If I'm posting something or if I'm promoting something or if I want to tweet something. But I'm trying to cut down on just like going on there to look at it. Like, and I never feel good after. Like I, I see, like I see something, and I'm just like, well, even if it's not about me, like I see some sad thing, and I'm just like, oh, that sucks, yeah. and it like ruins my day. Yeah, Twitter is a horrible place. <laughs> what do you think about Clubhouse? Yeah, I'm still kind of figuring it out. Like I'm using it, but you know, I, I just I'm scared for how it's going to be when it co- goes out of beta. Mm-hmm. when everybody could be on there because then like everybody's going to go try to sit in those calls with Metro Boomin and then it won't be you know what I mean then there's going to be 10,000 people in there instead of oh, wow. 600 yeah, and because when you have a 1 in 600 chance to get Metro Boomin to talk to you that's much better than a 1 in 10,000 but I mean it's <laughs> it's super tight I hung out in some Tucson Phoenix connection rooms for a little bit um, Pike and Rip D were in there nice. a couple people from Phoenix they, they, were, they were like, one of them was like, well, who from Phoenix could come down and sell out in Tucson? And they were all like, yeah, yeah. And then I was like, jalopy. <laughs> and they were all like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, jalopy could come down here and do five, 400 people tomorrow. He sells yeah. out everywhere he goes. I mean, I, my shows, my crowd size has gotten pretty consistent. Yeah. Like, I can, I can rely on, like, 150, 200 people. 
pre-COVID, right? Like, yeah. So Pre-COVID, what kind of schedule, like how often were you performing? In Nashville, not a lot because there, there's not a regular, there's not shows all the time. Mm-hmm. It's more of like an event when there is a show. Yeah. So and there, and it's harder to get because there's way more people trying to rap. But doesn't so, that make it more impactful? Yeah. So the ones that I've gotten to do have been great. And I get. I mean, it's not like I've tried to get one and I haven't gotten right. it. It's just hard to find them. Yeah. Like every time I've been like, "Hey, can I play this?" People are like, "Yeah," but there's just because how spread out it is and how the scene and what I was saying earlier, like it's hard to Maybe. get them. But that's one of the things I want to do. I want to do a weekly show out there and. Yeah. Give all these rappers an opportunity to figure yeah. it out. Everybody's like, everybody wants to blow, but they haven't performed yet. Yeah, like, right? <laughs> I don't throw shows for like no reason. Like yeah. it's when I'm gonna be here for a while and I'm coming home or yeah. whatever. Like I don't. So I try to make them feel more feel important. Special. Yeah. So much smarter. Like the the UKSL release show with the when we when we were projecting stuff and things were going and the Mac Miller Memorial and all mm-hmm. that. I tried to make that show like very like. Right. So, and I can't, I'll get burnt out if I try to make every show like that. So it's just like, I'll just do shows every once in a while, and like every couple months. I got this joint that I made, what, like the night I got here, mm. um, that I feel really good about. <laughs> like, I don't have my studio set up, so I have to put it down, but sometimes I can just tell. So I made that, so I'm really excited about it. But that, the song with Lando, man. Yeah. Like, I love it. It's amazing. How portable is your studio? I mean, I do, I move it around all the time. Right. So because it's just my mic stand, my interface, my laptop, my speakers, my speaker stands, so I'm on to the next one. Using? I use a Scarlet. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Not, but I have the lowest tier one. But I kind of like it. <laughs> I like to. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's like more fun when you yeah. gotta like have some workarounds. Yeah, if everything absolutely. worked right, it wouldn't be as cool. I'll st- I still use a hundred dollar Audio Technica mic because yeah. I, I don't. I've used twelve hundred dollar mics and I don't like how yeah. my how the my frequencies come in and all that. I know that with that Audio Technica one I have, we're Fair good. Enough. I know how to mix it. Like value the sun. Yeah, I love that record. It's Mac Miller's fault. <laughs> it really is because hey. like it means my favorite rapper ever Definitely. so it was like well he's gonna sing I, I might as well figure yeah, it out it's a lot of I, when he st- when Circles came out like I was already kind of dabbling in it but when Circles came out I was like I really need to figure this out so yeah. when I got I got my own studio space well not really but like my uncle has a room off the garage in like the boonies of Tennessee yeah. he was like set up a studio in here so I oh. basically have my own space so I didn't have to worry about anybody hearing me so I just got to belt some shit lots of like Daniel Caesar covers just trying to like figure it out <laughs> yeah streetcar i've probably recorded streetcar like 75 times <laughs> just practicing and tennessee's cold so yeah. like it doesn't get hot in there ever <laughs> like it's super tight but i i sang so much so i was yeah. like let me just and i rap on it and that, that song initially didn't have that beat switch on it it had a different second verse and then i was like no nah, yeah. let me just let me just rap for a second and plus i had some things i wanted to say like i didn't think i had touched on like societal issues enough so i wanted yeah. to give it a, a place to talk about that we shot a video for that one really? super tight yeah it's gonna be the best one that we've put out over nice. at defo so we like like we my videographer got a gimbal so it just like changed everything Absolutely. Uh, but it has like scenes in it like we mm-hmm. it was the first time where i've like gone into a music video like with a plan Nice. So, which is really hey. tight. But that record is sick as fuck, dude. That's, that's gross. Absolutely. And there's Mac Miller homage on that record. Kind of P. Diddy homage, but at yeah. the same time, that interlude is totally Mac Miller yeah, homage. Absolutely. So.
It's Daddy Foster, Mankind Podcast. Going into tw- this is how you should start the year, 2021. We're sitting here. It feels like eight o'clock in the morning. It's like two o'clock. Long night yesterday. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I rap. I sing. I produce. If you listen to this, you already knew that. On uh, my socials, it's just at the Danny Foster on everything. Um, dropping a song every other week for the whole year and giving y'all an album at the end of the year. So this is super tight. I love doing this. Mankind's like, my, like uncle to me. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's time.